This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, I'm Jen and I love horror movies. I'm Mikey. I'm dead inside and I also love horror movies. And we really like to torture our friend Todd because he hates horror movies. That I do. And that's why they call me the horror virgin. <laughs> that's the only reason we call him that. I'm not, no other reasons at all. Whatever. So every, <laughs> every week we take him through the encyclopedia of horror, the good, the bad, the ridiculously Jack Frosts. <laughs> and then we make fun of it more or less. Or explain it's deceptive feminism. Oh. Yeah, exactly. That's what I do. That's my thing. <laughs> and I'm the funny one. <laughs> Our episodes drop on Monday, so check us out. Consequence Podcast Network. My friendship to all of you precludes my involvement with any one of you. But if you want to make love, then I do too, and I'll be right there. Constant listeners, and welcome yet again to the Losers Club, a Stephen King podcast. My name is Rockin' Randall Colburn. Who is sitting across from me? This is, oh God, I don't actually have a nickname, Rothman, um, with a comma, Michael. Because <laughs> <laughs> I realized they just totally skipped over my first name. And who is joining us from across the country? This is Dan. I'm tempted to say Torrance, but I think I used that last time on Dr. Sleep. So I'm just going to say Dan, big Stephen King fan. Cat <laughs> hey, aren't we all? <laughs> it's true. No, I'm not at all. Doing this. I've just recorded like yeah. 100 episodes of this podcast. Yeah. And I totally hate Stephen King. What, what if at the end of this entire series, we get, you know, the series finale is just us being like, you know, this has been a really fun ride, but I'm not really that big into Stephen King. He's never that into him. No. Don't know why just, we did this. I love, I, I love his movies. <laughs> you know, I uh, like Children of the Corn, but you know, yeah, I like Corn too. <laughs> I like Lawnmower Man, and I think that The Shining's probably you know the, those th- those three really encapsulate the. Speaking of Corn too, we have a Lobstrosities episode about it. Go back and find it. We it's do. a good episode. It is. Great. I thought you were going to say, speaking of Corn too, uh, the musician Head from the band Corn. He is opening. A- a series of wellness spas. That's not. I'm not making that up. That's, that's great. No, that's great. And I'm glad that that's <laughs> what you thought I was going to say when I was on a Stephen King podcast. Yeah. But we do support Head on this podcast. We do. From corn. AKA Corn Two, apparently. Uh, if if because if you if we said Corn Two and Corn Two remind you specifically of Head. So Dan, do you do you consider Jonathan Davis Corn One and Head <laughs> Corn Two? Yeah, I think so because they do it. Hey. They have Jonathan Davis uh, featuring Fred Durst have a song called Children of the Corn. No, oh. wait, hold on. No, no, that's all in the family, right? Yes, which, it is. Which, yeah, the which the they have sound clips from uh, the classic Children of the Corn starring um, uh, Sarah Connor herself. Linda Hamilton. Yeah. Linda Hamilton. And it, what's the name uh, of the kid who plays Isaac? I can't remember. Oh, uh, <laughs> man. Um, he w- yeah, he directed many of the... 
<laughs> let's just say let's just say it's corn nemic um no um, corn corn or nemic corn nemic corn nemic yeah. from the stand he yeah. plays harold lauder yeah you're a real wild card we're a real wild card there <laughs> <laughs> who is who is the guy who plays it that, that oh right oh whatever we don't well keep talking i'll go find it okay is i think this is the time to say did anybody did anybody on this podcast see corn live at any point in their lives i actually surprisingly i've never seen corn live uh do you want to hear a confession have you yes twice oh wow so you have seen corn too i've seen corn too yeah and uh we've seen i've seen other bands of that ilk but just never corn that's what's weird i've seen i've seen stained i've seen i saw lincoln park before chester killed himself and then um i saw um (laughs) that too dark uh no but i did you know all right never saw lincoln park i saw stained uh i saw what was the the band that did um was it like mud something mud um oh Puddle of Mud? Uh, Mudvayne. Mudvayne. Oh, Mudvayne. And I saw Puddle of Mud also. There used to be this really shitty radio station uh, in Miami called 94.9 Zeta. And uh, they would always say, 94.9 Zeta. And like they would have these Halloween roasts. And these Halloween roasts always had these type of bands playing when I was in high school. But Corn was never there. I never got to see Corn live. Did you name the Halloweenies podcast after that? I did. I did. No, I know I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> actually, no. What am I talking about? I I actually did see. I, after all that stupid story, I did see Corn because I remember seeing them at the Sunrise Music Amphitheater, and I bought. Wait, you did. You yeah, did see them now? I did see them. <laughs> I I totally dismissed it out of my head, and I remember because I bought the Issues doll. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, what do you I, still have it? I had somewhere, probably in storage somewhere. I had I had I had the alternate cover of Issues. Were there like four covers for Issues? Right. It was oh like yeah, yeah. Or yeah. I could see you wanting to collect all four of them, though. <laughs> Got to complete the collection. Yeah. I forget what the, the only one I remember is the doll, I think. Yeah, that's the one that's like, beating me down. Oh, yeah, I like that song. Uh, They're really depressing songs. All their songs were depressing. It was all about yeah. fucking, like, I'm not even going to go no, there. No, we can't, because there's some dark history with John Dark Davis. history. I Here's the thing. I've gotten older. I'm an old man. And I've seen a lot of bands, including Stained, three times. Oh, three but they times were always Stained. opening. Like, yeah. I saw Limp. I saw <laughs> Limp. You saw Limp? I saw uh-huh. Limp, like, twice. I saw the LB. <laughs> I, I saw, saw Kid LB. Rock. I saw LB twice. I saw Kid Rock. Uh, Power Man 5000 opened. I saw Power Man. Power Man was kind of great. Yeah. I mean, uh, wait, wait. Is Power Man related to The Offspring? Yeah, no, he's related to Rob Zombie. Oh, that's Zom- what it is. It's yeah. Spider 9 or whatever the hell his name is. His brother is Rob Zombie. Although, uh, I would, like... I would totally see Power Man and Rob Zombie. I hear they're they're just good spectacle shows. Like, Rob I, Zombie I was they, fun yeah. at Riot Fest. I saw. Well, I'll just say that I have actually very fond memories of seeing Corn. He played the bagpipes, oh. uh, and he Didn't was that open like, up an and album? he was raised on like a platform. Yeah, it opened an album, yeah. and he was like raised on like a little circular platform while he was playing the bagpipes. And uh, you know what? I've gotten older, and I you know I go back and listen to Limp Bizkit, and I say no thanks. I go back and listen to Stained, I say no thanks. Couple corn songs I still kind of like. What's the one that's like do 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 do? I think that was uh, Freak Fall. on a Leash. Freak on a Leash. That song is awesome. I literally had no idea what you were referencing, and I just said Freak on a Freak- Leash. Oh, you so just said it that? Been that? No, it may- it may- maybe it's not that one. It's the got no, the no. Life, I think it is. Fra- oh no, got the life. Oh, maybe. got the life is got the, the life. yeah. That was my favorite corn song. I love that song. I really liked song. it. Like, yeah. I remember Life is Peachy being a pretty good album, but I, yeah, I, don't know. I was a fan. I will say Chuck Klosterman has an article about how corn. When they when they yeah when they, when they had their come up they were asked who their influences were yeah and they were like oh the furthest back we go is right out Chili Peppers we're not influenced by anything beforehand and Chuck Closerman's like oh I think and I think they're actually right like they're one of the first bands who 
weren't indebted at all to classic rock or anything, you know. And, yeah. I, and I, as as not that I'm not saying it's like awesome music, but I do think it is. It was pretty original back then. It was pretty I original. Know, I, I would say that like that's kind of dubious because like they're clearly influenced by like Sabbath. Yeah. You know? um, yeah, I guess that's. Yeah, you know, know, they all just they were all like on so much cocaine when they I were know. doing yeah. these interviews. He was so thin when he first came out too. And then like, well, maybe he wasn't, I can't remember, but like, I just remember seeing him and being like, yeah, that guy's a cokehead. Yeah. Like, totally. Pretty cool. Uh, welcome to our Stephen King <laughs> podcast. Uh, <laughs> this is called Corncast. And uh, well, what we're doing today, besides talking about corn, yeah. is we know that's not going to be the last time we bring him up. No, this and I feel like though, I feel like in the early days of the pod, whenever we would talk about children of the corn, we'd, it was always we'd, that. we'd pivot to talk about corn. Well, one of the reasons why we had to pull so many episodes is because you know, whenever we would mention them, I'd start playing that song that I was referencing <laughs> before. Um, <laughs> And I'm pretty sure we'd get sued like crazy if we kept it in there now. Did you pull the episode where you played the full episode, full house theme? Uh, that is really off mad. now. Yeah, I think it's somewhere. Oh, people in... got so. I, I think that was back when I was editing some of them, and people got so mad that I kept doing that. <laughs> that <laughs> was... I think that was one of the first like one star things we got was when when we had that. In yeah. There. Not um, hey, what can I say? Not everybody thinks we're funny. You know? what? <laughs> what can I say? Yeah, it, it was a little bit of a, a troll move for sure. Candace Cameron really loved it though. She was actually on. Uh, she's a big listener of the pod. She's a huge listener of the pod. I just saw her recently in a commercial during The Bachelor, and um, that was uh, it was pretty cool to see her again. You was know? it a commercial for Fuller House? It wasn't for that because that's canceled on Netflix now. So. Too bad. What yeah. a good show. Yeah, it's because they're associated with scandal. Too much scandal. Too much scandal. Uh, uh, so today we're going to be doing what we call a bag of bones episode. Yeah. You guys sent us a bunch of questions on our various social media platforms. Good time to plug them. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. Facebook. Twitter, Instagram. Instagram. What's your favorite? uh, I think I'm Twitter these days. Yeah, you are Twitter. I know, and I'm trying to be less of one. I, it's like I don't know. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's really depressing, and it's. uh, I just try to tweet out dumb shit, but every Mm -hmm. now and then I'll tweet something serious and delete it immediately because I'm like I don't want that to be exactly my my identity online. I've done so many diatribes that I've spent maybe 20 minutes thinking about, and then I'll tweet it, and then I'll go to the bathroom, and I'll come back out and go no, and then I'll just well, if it didn't get a like like right away, you're like I'm done. I'm done. I'm out. I'm I'm out. Which I think is healthy. Yeah, it's uh because when you put this shit out in the world, you know. You're you're taking a risk. I know. And so it's I think like when Kevin Hart tweeted all those things. Oh, I'm. <laughs> I love you. Always do this thing when you say something regrettable, where you like you know you said it. Yep. And then you kind of close your eyes and you just kind of like just, look and like you, you kind of tip your head and you're just like, oops. Oops. And I love yeah. that. Yeah. But I'm not gonna edit that out either. But no, you, you shouldn't. Know. I mean, hey, what? It's like deleting tweets. You it know, is, yeah. we're not Team Bloomberg over here. No. No. Uh, so, anyways, uh, do. <laughs> Let's talk about Bloomberg. <laughs> Do we I'll think he wins in November? Um, oh, oh, God. God. Okay. You go. guys aren't here for this. You're here to hear us talk about Stephen King, but we're going to talk about our social media really quick. Subscribe to us on Facebook. Yeah. Subscribe to us on Twitter and subscribe to us on Instagram. This yeah. is, it's not subscribe, but I'm going to say that anyway. Yeah. It's we have like follow or like or whatever. We have fresh content yeah. on all three. They're all good. We we're we're pretty good at updating, and uh, you know it's where you can get first crack at all of our episodes. first crack. <laughs> <laughs> 
You sound Which like is like totally grand. not even I true. I know, right? Because you're like you... grandfather talking about social media. It'll be like hours like before I even put it on social media because I'm awful sometimes. And so the first crack is, we'll just go with that. But um... I'll say I used to work for a, a dance company here yeah. in Chicago. There's not many, so I'll let you guess which one. Mm. And I, I did, um, I was supposed to be doing group sales, but I was really bad at that because I didn't want to do it yeah and uh so i just but i was a writer so i they had me because it's small staff so i started writing pr copy for them and and like i was writing marketing copy and stuff and i remember i sent all this stuff to their marketing director and i thought it was really good and the only thing that she liked about anything that i sent her was the fact that i said you get first crack at tickets first and she was like i like first crack I like that, but can you change ninety eight percent of this? You Wait, know? what? It does sound like ass crack. That's what I think. <laughs> like, or it sounds like like um, like crack cocaine or something like that. People like, are so- gonna think we're wasted. I know. I know. We are being absurd. No, so we're just think, we're just loopy. But right I think now. that's a good. I think that it's been a long week. Uh, we have all got coronavirus. Yeah. So um, Captain Trips, yeah. which is apparently Trips. someone pointed out that it's labeled nineteen, which is yeah. kind of creepy. I actually I thought that was a good a good thing to point out. What if somebody at the CDC is like a huge Stephen King fan? Probably might did. be. Probably are. Yeah, they're just like, hey, if we're going down, we're going down, stand yeah. style. Yeah. He's like, yeah, he's like, I'm gonna the, at the CDC. They're like, if it all goes to shit, we're gonna be like those. Like Doctor Elder and Doctor, like how they're just like embodying all the villainous <laughs> CDC workers. From they, the they like they like put some like they put like a dummy with a soup in a room. <laughs> it's, it's like you know you do realize there's no containment here. Um, you could move the soup out. They claim that Max Wright died yeah. of of uh, coronavirus. Hey, speaking of crack cocaine, oh right. okay. that we have to delete. No, no, no. Um, um, okay, we love Max Wright. Do we? Do we think that this is kind of king related though? Like, do we? Because th- we didn't get any questions about this, but. Do we think the coronavirus is something to worry about? Uh, Randall and I were talking about, we were texting about this. Last yeah, night. I was. I texted about it a little bit. I, I genuinely, I don't think that like we're in trouble. Yeah, but I don't think it's not. I don't think it's a bad idea to maybe stock up on basic supplies yeah. in case something happens. So we're not. You're not like that person who's running to like. Uh, the grocery store yeah. at the last minute, like in Contagion, like where all the shelves are empty. Yeah. So my wife is more of like a prepper than I am. Yeah. So she bought a bunch of like toilet paper and that's, that's smart though. I know, yeah. and because you're gonna be shitting yourself. So. Yeah, I don't want to shit myself, and so I don't, I don't think that's part of coronavirus. That you're wait, wait, it's not. Yourself. Yeah, but no, but if you can't leave, if you can't leave the apartment and you you're out of toilet paper oh god there's nothing else to do like you just shit everywhere yeah. and so <laughs> you shit in the bathtub uh maybe the toilets will stop working I, I i will legit get scared when i start seeing tube neck come into fruition here yeah i mean here's the thing coronavirus we've had a lot of these sort of health scares yeah. and they've mostly SARS. amounted to no- nothing so I certainly don't think that anything serious is going to happen, but my wife is kind of a my wife's business yeah. is directly impacted by coronavirus because a lot of her work involves China. Yeah. And she's been following this for the last like two months and has been like in Reddit threads where they're posting real videos from China because oh, the God. Chinese government suppresses everything. And so to actually get any real videos out of what it looks like there is really rare. And she's found a lot of videos that are fucking terrifying. I mean, like they don't you can't guarantee they're true or anything because yeah. it's on the Internet, but. It's, it's like clips from 28 Days Later. It's honestly <laughs> like, like, it reminds me of like The Bay, like yeah, that movie, the yeah. Barry Sonnenfeld movie, yep. uh, which is quite good. Yeah. Good horror One movie. One of his last uh, good movies, really. But you know. Yeah. And so, um, so and then also just with Trump's response, which was so bad. Yeah. And 
Uh, and then the fact that he's just more concerned about the stock price than yep. he is the actual virus. There's like a lot. And then the fact that it's like become politicized, that the right wing is literally just adopt. Like they're like, well, it could hurt Trump. So we're going to say it's just nothing. It's literally what's happened in the stand. Like, I know. Early on in those pages. Yeah. It's, 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 it's kind of fascinating creepy. the way it's all. Well, yeah. And that's, yeah. that's, that's I, I was telling Randall last night. I think what bothers me. I'm not, I'm not so concerned about like the virus killing us just because it's not. It doesn't seem to be that lethal. It, right. it feels like the West Nile a little bit. Yeah, where it was yeah, like it affects yeah, older yeah. And, folks and kids. Yeah, which is still sad. Like, I mean, there's still a lot of people that die from it, but it doesn't seem like it's it's like, I mean, I know I joked about it a minute ago, like, but it doesn't seem like it's something on par with Captain Trips. That being said, <laughs> I do feel like the government response, um, like not in China and here has been a little reminiscent of that. Not quite so extreme, yeah. but I, I, I worry more about mishandling and keeping people in the dark. That's you know, like, I don't think it's going to kill all of us. I just, I, I just don't like what it shows and brings out in the government. What, what it really scare what it reminds me in the, one of the clips that actually genuinely terrifies me, which is very rare of a Zack Snyder film is in the beginning of the Dawn of the Dead remake when they're asking the president oh, and, that's it's like, good. I like and that. he's like, we don't know. And yeah. it's just like, well, what, what do you, is there any, re, you know, remedies? Do you know where it came from? We don't know. And it's like that, that response is so terrifying. I don't think it would really happen in real life. There's no way that a president would come out and say, we don't know. Um, but no, Trump literally said today about it. He said, I, he, it was in part of a phrase. I saw somebody was tweeting about it. He literally said the phrase, we're not sure. Or, we oh, don't wow. Know, or okay. something. All right. But, it's not the same as that, yeah. But it did make me laugh a little bit because I'm just like, we're so fucked. We're so fucked. Well, it's, um, it's funny too because a lot of scientists have praised Trump not sending people into panic. They're like, well, no, he's actually has a good attitude about. It. I'm like, no, but that's not coming from any kind of place of being logical. That's yeah. just coming from a place of him being sociopathic. He's, <laughs> no, he's trying to protect the stock. Like yeah. that's what it's about. But the thing is, the stock keeps plummeting. Like my wife follows this like aggressively. The stock has been so fucking yeah. low because it, and it just keeps dropping even after. Well, this week conference. was I think the worst since the financial crisis. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like it's so bad, Does and it, so that's does, that's literally all he cares about. Doesn't a part of you kind of hope that it starts becoming a little bit of Captain Trips? No, no, I don't oh, want to die. Terrifies me, man. Yeah. It kind of scares you. Um, what do you? You are literally saying this like you want it to happen. I there's a part of me that's like I, I don't want anyone hurt or anything, which I guess that's what it would imply. <laughs> um, <laughs> like the entire but world it, dies. But like to to be a part of a generation that got to experience apocalypse was pretty exciting to me. That's um, insane. It's not that insane. It's just a little bit of like look. We're not histo- Ralph the historian. We're not going to live. Yeah, we 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 might though. No, we'll be all be Larry's mom. <laughs> you think? So? Yes, we're all going to. I'm going to be dead. like I'm going to be like uh, Rita, and I'm going to be walking around the fucking park, and there's going to be some youngster that comes up and is like, "Oh, you're going to bang been... some Ed Sheeran or Dang something." Adam That's what it's going to happen. <laughs> Adam Stork. Love, oh, you Adam, have a. Oh, your song's on the radio. <laughs> Uh, my, my son heard it. Um, what if the only people who survived uh, coronavirus were people who starred in the Stan miniseries? <laughs> oh, <laughs> like man, Gary Sidney's? Super meta. It just gets really meta. Like They, have to, they like, just fall into re- recreating the Stan. Uh, I think they're all still alive except for Ruby D, right? And Oh, and, uh, and her husband, Ozzy, uh, Ozzy, Ozzy Davis? Ozzy I think Ozzy Davis He's died. definitely dead. Yeah. Ozzy Smith is the baseball player, right? Who yeah. Yeah. Like, Ozzy Davis was it was in the stand. I feel like has somebody. Oh, Burgess Meredith. Wait, no. Burgess Meredith. Burgess Meredith. <laughs> Wait, who? No, <laughs> Ralph Stew. Oh, no. Ra- uh, no. He, um, Ralph Glenn Ray, is dead. Ray Walson. Yeah. Yeah. He's dead. Oh, Ray yeah. Walson's dead. Yeah, yeah. He died like shortly <laughs> after the, the miniseries. I think. Um, <laughs> I think like 10 years yeah, after, 10. maybe. Shortly yeah. after. But, uh, you know, here's a question, though. One more on the coronavirus. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> this is my own bag of bones. Um, we need CDC to make it style. very clear in the description that they can skip ahead. I know. And make it clear everything that we're talking about. Yeah. Well, if you if the you know if there was an epidemic of sorts, you're definitely going to be listening to like Crowded House like one night with the camera. I would, right? oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. right? Just to be like, well, this is kind of comforting, even yeah. though it's now actually happening in real life. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, Hank would lay its head in Dan's <laughs> oh, no. lap, like Molly Ringwald with <laughs> with Harold. And I get uh, legit, legit worried, like if something like that happened, like who would take care of Hank? You know, like uh, Hank would know. take care. Well, of Hank. Hank would live, yeah, and he'd eat you. <laughs> um, <laughs> he would. Eat, he would eat your dead he'd body. Have food, he'd have food for weeks. <laughs> well, and then he'd fi- try to find where you kept the food. <laughs> but he, he eat, but he'd eat you first, which is what I imagine most dogs would do. I mean, dogs are so. Dogs are really smart, but they're also really dumb. Like we we've been watching a lot of dogs at the house because uh, my girlfriend works at a dog boarding facility, and we keep the food pretty open. And the dog just walks by it, and and then like acts for cookies. And I'm like, there's literally a fucking hole in this bag. Like you could just stick your fucking what a, head in. What and a eat fucking it. dumbass! I know. It's like what what are they thinking? Anyway, that was dog talk. Um, no, that was Corona talk. That was Corona talk, uh, which I, I think was fair. I actually think it's fair because yeah. it is in line with the pod. Yeah. It's you odds know. are it'll be the title of this episode, and you're probably like, well, "What the fuck is this?" Oh, wow, ten minutes on this stuff. Great. What is, what else? Are they you know talk who about? I want to hear talk about the coronavirus? A Stephen King podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So thank you guys. I think it was what a half hour on coronavirus. Uh, we're, at, we're at nineteen and, and corn. Okay, twenty minutes yeah. on corn hey, and the speaking coronavirus. Speaking of nineteen. Speaking of nineteen. Speaking of nineteen. Uh, we have 19 questions. Yeah. You guys asked us so many great questions so many. across our various socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, we put out our bag of bones call. You guys delivered so many good questions. We narrowed it down to 19, uh, which is maybe you've heard it's kind of an important number in the Stephen King Very universe. important number. And we're going to answer some of them. I think there's some really good questions here. Yeah. So I think it's time to shake and rattle that bag of bones. <laughs> only death out there. Tell me what happened. I don't know anything. You are lying. Oof, I love brown bones. You love what? Brown bones. Brown Sleepy bones? Sleepy Hollow, one of uh, yeah. Caffrey's favorite uh, Halloween movies to watch. Wait, they uh, talk about true. they talk about brown bones in No, them? the character's brown bones. Brom. B-R- oh, Brom. I thought you were saying brown. Yeah. Brown bones. Brown, Brown played, bones. By, played by uh, Hunk Casper Van Dien in the. Oh, movie. I love Casper Van Dien. Oh yeah, we still have to do a Lobstrosities on a Casper Van Dien movie. We do. Uh, we we do. F- I, I think we'll probably do Python. Maybe we could do that. Like in the the. Ooh, I like Python. That'd be fun. It's great. Yeah. It's a great film. Yeah. Um. I mean, the obvious one would be Starship Three. Um. But is um, he in three? He's in three. Wow. <laughs> he came back for three. Um, I love Casper Van Dien. Could be a Patreon thing or something like that. But, I'm into know, that. Um, Wait. Uh. Ooh, whoa. <laughs> okay. Almost let the bag, a, a, or bag of bones. Out of the bag. Um, let's talk about our very first question, yeah. which is from listener Michelle Passantino. Thank you so much for the question, Michelle. I'm going to read it out loud. King writes all kinds of monsters based in Maine, but since he spends so much time there, I think it's time for him to help create uh, an iconic Florida monster. What would it be? 
Dan, Mike, you guys are from Florida. I feel like you would have a good answer to this. Well, uh, Michelle yeah, you go clearly, first. Clearly, never led the iconic monsters in Duma Key. No, I'm oof. just kidding. Um, because <laughs> there's some cool Florida monster stuff in there. Yeah, I, I know. Yeah, I know man. one person that loves that book. Uh, Joanne Trotter, who is a constant reader, and uh, yeah. we always. I like Duma Key. I like Duma Key. Oh, you like Duma Key? Oh, I guess I'm yeah, the I only like one that doesn't yeah. like it. Um, you haven't read it. I, I, I've, I've read about eighty percent of it, and I couldn't, I couldn't finish it. The last twenty makes it. I'm, oh, re- I'm trying to. Think <laughs> oh, so it's the opposite of uh needful things um i'm trying to think uh honestly when i think of florida monsters i think of like real life people (laughs) yeah yeah, do you remember that there was like a wasn't the bath salt stuff like all happened in florida and there was there was one story it wasn't the guy who got his face eaten on like the highway or whatever bath salts yeah yeah there was another story that i believe was in florida that was like a bath salts related story where basically these people were just hanging out in their garage Mm -hmm. and this like teenage kid who was like really beefy he was like a football player he walked up and just started like like killing and attacking these people and he started like eating this person or something and then he woke up and he was like i don't know what happened it's really Uh, fucked up and i'm pretty sure that happened in florida i I do feel like if there was an iconic florida monster it would have to be super savage and trashy like right like a great mad like a great matter type thing yeah the the town, town i grew up in there was a lot of uh it was weird. It was like pretty normal suburbs right up against very backwoodsy redneck type places. And opiates are a huge problem. Meth is a huge problem. Um, ba- I, don't know about, I don't know if there's any bath salts in Newport Richie or not. Oh, I'm but sure there are. I feel, like, I, I feel like the monster would have <laughs> to be something related to that. Like mutate, like a guy who – and maybe like a short story. You know what I mean? I don't know if it can sustain a full novel. But like a meth lab gets burned down and the guy gets fused with a drug and it's like a – a villainous swamp thing sort of yeah sort of under the dome vibes i was gonna say yeah. and then also yeah, yeah. i want to say gray matter for creep show the series was switched to uh a florida town maybe was it yeah or something like that or maybe in a southern town because they were, it's a hurricane that comes in ah um it's oh, right, snowy yeah well granted maybe. we live in a world now where hurricanes uh you know consistently come up to the northeast and north new england area that's cool but um <laughs> Wonderful world we live in. But uh, again, coronavirus, please save us. Um, and uh, so I, the thing is, I would say yes to it being like a, like a swampy thing. But we've talked consistently on this podcast about how much we want aquatic horror from King. Yeah. This is his chance. Uh, it's his chance, true, baby. Like, well, he did write that. I mean, he is writing more Florida stuff. Like there was that really lovely story about the older man who gets a dog that mm, came yeah. out right before the Wendy? Institute, I believe. Or... No, it wasn't Wendy, but it was Lucy. Oh, wait, the, Lucy. The that's what it was. Yeah. No, no, no. It was like uh, it was a little short story. I believe it was right before the Institute. I could be wrong. And it yeah, was, it was. Well, yeah. No, it was either that or the outsider. Or the outsider. Yeah, it might have been so. before the outsider. Yeah. But it was about a guy who gets a dog, and then an alligator like almost eats the dog or something. Oof, and I then, hate uh, and then he fights it off. And it's a really lovely story about a man bonding I, with a dog. I would love to see. He hasn't done this in a while. I mean, we talk a lot about. Well, I haven't read the Institute yet, so I'm not sure. But we talk a lot about how he's gotten a little bit away from monsters and animals yeah. and things like that. I wouldn't mind seeing like another Cujo type thing, maybe with like with an alligator, like yeah. do, a, do a king like natural terror kind of. Like, yeah. give me, give me Stephen King's Crawl. Yeah, yeah, seriously. No, Still seriously. haven't seen Crawl. Oh, you haven't seen it? Oh, no, I need to. Oh, I, I know, it. I've heard. We got to set up a time and watch that. It's a, it's a fucking fun movie. I'm into um, it. Hey, love I love it. Barry Pepper. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sixty one. I did too. Sixty one out of all his movies. Oh, the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait, oh. that's 
20. Thomas Jane's in it, though. Hey, King Connection. Wait, King's... Oh, he's in 61. Yeah, he plays Mickey Mantle. Uh, let's move on to the next question. Yeah. Diane Stroud, constant listener, asks, Hey, losers, what King property would you like to see get made into a limited series? And who should show run it? What network, etc.? This is interesting because uh, I think she's asking this question because it's pertinent because of The Outsider, which was marketed as a limited series. Yeah. But as I've said in the pod before... Uh, based on some emails I've received, there is a chance that the outsider could go to a second season. It's weird. Probably based on the fact that Holly Gibney is and, and Ralph Anderson Anderson are in a story in Let It Bleed, which is his May book, which is a collection bleeds, of novellas. If it bleeds. Wait, what? If it bleeds. If it bleeds. Yeah. What did I say? Let it bleed. Oh, let it bleed. I've which been calling cool it name. Let It Bleed to like everybody cool I've talked Stone to album. about it. Oh yeah, that is a Rolling Stone album. So, uh, but yeah, so I think that there is a chance and they've also, they're also like, hey, we have Oscar nominee Cynthia Erivo. We should probably like hold on to her. Do you think that's what they're going to do? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it it makes sense. Like, it feels like no spoilers on this, that whatever, fuck it. Like where we're at right now in HBO's The Outsider, it feels like it's going to close soon, you know? Well, there's two episodes left. Yeah. Like it feels like that, that that story is going to be done. Oh yeah, Um, definitely. They're, they're, they're nearing the end game of Outsider. So it's like. If if it does keep going, it would be a new story. But uh, but I yeah, the thing is, I haven't read the story yet. I do have a copy of yeah. If It Bleeds that um, I'm going to read and we'll be discussing on a future episode. But I have not read that. Do story you think they retitled the show? No, no, no. They I mean, the outsider is loose enough. Yeah. It's like Halloweenies. Like, yeah, that's true. That's yeah, true. It can it um, can it can bend itself. Okay. I think you can like take any story and call it The Outsider and yeah. find a way to make it work. Well, what would you do for a miniseries then? Limited series? Yeah. Um, that's a good question. What do you guys have? Man, it's so tough because I actually haven't watched The Outsider yet too. So I, I feel like my my view on King Limited series is, is like pretty negative, you know, because it's been a while since there's been, been a really a good one. Anyway, it's wrong since made that joke. <laughs> no, yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. I feel weird saying this because there already was a TV series for it, but I still think there's a really good adaptation of under the dome waiting to be made. I, I think a limited uh, series would be perfect for that. I would love it. I, I personally think that, so I just spoke to John S on Twistle who did, uh, you know, the end of the fucking world and, 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 and um, played bass for the who <laughs> he played bass for the who. Yeah. Really? Uh, no, no, no. John yeah. Whistle, right? oh, no, no, he didn't. They are didn't. separate people. Uh, they are separate oh, okay. people, but, uh, and he had talked about because there's a lot of King references in um, uh, I'm not okay with this, which is his new series on Netflix, which actually stars uh, Sophia Lillis and Wyatt Olaf. Good? It's fun. It's really good. And there are I've a lot had of screeners, but I haven't watched. It's it. it's it's a it's charming. Um, and there's a lot of King references in it. And there, even in episodes called Stand by Me, so I asked him, I was like, Hey, are you a King fan? He's like, He's a, and he is a King fan, and he does a really good job with like working with kids. So a part of me thinks that like you know if this long walk thing doesn't work like i think a limited series the long walk could be cool with him in it uh, yeah or with him directing it yeah um because i don't know a, if i want a, a limited series of, i think like a four episode walk? thing would be kind of four cool. episodes yeah. yeah i could see you I know, know man, i feel like long walk could be like a t- just like a good two-hour movie but it could yeah. be yeah yeah i mean i just think of like if you did it kind of lost style where you had some backstories with some of the people that you're talking to. Yeah, I guess that's a good. That's you know, you could idea. do something there. That's just off the top of my head. I'm sure there's no, a story no, I'm going like to think that. about tonight at like three in the morning, and I'm like, God damn it, why didn't I do God that one? Damn it! Um, and you're going to hear me patch it in in this episode. <laughs> uh, so this is Mike uh, at three in the morning. Uh, I actually think it should have been uh, needful things. Um, but. um, well, I have an answer, yeah. which might be my answer for a couple of the questions that we have because. 
uh, I've sort of recently become obsessed with the idea, and I've talked about this in the pod previously, but I'm like even more excited for it now, is my most anticipated books to revisit are Desperation and mm. The Regulators. Yeah. Because I just, and I was talking to a friend about this recently, and especially reading New King, like a lot of newer King books, and revisiting these early 90s books, it still strikes, and the fact that we're close to Desperation and The Regulators uh, in where we are right now, they do stand out. Yeah. They are special books. That doesn't mean they're good books. I, I loved them when I was young, but I'm, I haven't read them in years. So, But I do remember them being – and I was talking to some friends about this, and they agree. It's like there is something particularly nasty about yeah. them. Like there's like a mean, ugly uh, quality. Oh, yeah. Regulators like, especially. Yeah. yeah, and I'm like excited to revisit that because, I don't know, I feel like that's something that I miss in Modern Day King, although there's some of it in The Outsider, but it's like, I, I, I'm I just really excited to revisit those, and Desperation was made into a TV miniseries with Ron Perlman, who is actually perfect casting for the role yeah. they cast him in, but it's not very good. And uh, Is that 90s also? Yeah. Well, either that or, like or early, early 2000s. 2000s. Yeah, I can't remember, but it's it's not great. I watched it. It's kind of weird that in the 90s, around these times, these books there there were like weird adaptations that were split like you had like the you know the prestige stuff that darabont was doing yeah but then like the tv stuff like kind of felt like almost like runoff of like the the kind of knockoff movies that were in the 80s of king but then they were also like really adult yeah like you watch yeah. them and you're like yeah this is made for tv but it also isn't made for me as a kid like, right this is clearly made for like the adults that like they're going to bed like that maybe are going to stay up a little later right, as the kids are right. going to sleep and i kind of wish they would do that again you know in I mean, I, rem- I remember the stand feeling i mean the stand i think is still very good but i remember the stand feeling yeah feeling like even though it was on abc like something i was not supposed to be yeah watching. exactly right? it felt very yeah hard hitting in that way see in a weird way it's like i look at the regulators and i'm like that's actually a story that would fit really well today cuz it's yeah. a lot in it's about like I mean, not to spoil it, but and I'm not spoiling it because this is like kind of how it's pitched. But it's basically like these toys like become like sentient. And it's not that they're like the toys like suddenly get big. It's that they just the figures who are based on the toys enter this like suburban block. Yeah. And they're basically Power Rangers. And and then they just start killing people. And so it's, it's kind of a little bit like um, uh, what is it? Battleground. Um, yeah, a little bit, but not. Yeah, but, it's, <laughs> but it's more like kaleidoscopic and a little bit. Uh, it's like much edgier because they're not like little toys yeah. that are killing people. They're oh, they're, they're full grown people. Oh, that's but creepy. they're they look like these characters. Okay. And and the th- and you find out why that happened later. But there is something really horrific about like it's because now we live in like superhero culture yeah. and we live in this culture of. Um, uh, like it's a very toyetic culture mm-hmm. that we live in. Yeah. And so the idea of these heroes, uh, like the idea of Power Rangers or whatever you want to say, like Captain America, Iron Man, whatever, like suddenly just with no explanation showing up and being evil and killing people in the real world is a very, to me, like resonant and modern idea yeah. and kind of terrifying. And so I, in a weird way, I feel like the regulators would work like in the modern day, but at the same time, I don't rem- from what I can remember of the story and it's been so long it it's less of like a story than it is sort of like a sequence of terrifying yeah. events. That, you know? Yeah, that's how I remember too and it well cuz it's all based on that one neighborhood. I remember them just kind of bouncing from thing to thing and you yeah. and you see the 
sort yeah, which I won't spoil here, but you see the source of what's causing this and the, yeah, it's just kind of like a, a series of massacres I, I, Right. I so I don't know so, if I it would, I don't know if it would work as like a series. I feel like there would have to be a lot of you know, especially knowing how writers' rooms work and stuff, there would be a lot of massaging and trying to build traditional arcs within this world, which I don't think works. Yeah. I think desperation works better as like a story in that regard. I think it would work good as a like a ten part series. Yeah. I quite like desperation. It's very weird and it's also very violent and disgusting, but also it also has the worst uh one liner before somebody gets killed of all time, uh, which I will not spoil. But it is I don't know, if if I could see any king uh get made into a limited series that would not go on, that would be, you know, a tight eight to ten episodes, I'd want to see Desperation of the Regulators. And I want to see more adaptations of that era. Like yeah. you know, it's Let's leave behind the 80s a little bit. Well, it'd be fascinating if they made like Rose Matter into a story. Yeah, I mean, all these stories that like people don't even realize are Stephen King books. Well, I mean, in the Me Too Mm -hmm. era, like Rose Matter could totally work. Yeah. Like, I'm sure somebody out there has pitched it. Yeah. So it. Probably Flanagan. Flanagan might have, yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's He's like, talking to King right now. So I mean, it would like, be fascinating if he did like that whole trilogy. Yeah. If he did Gerald's Game and then he did Dolores Claiborne and then he did Rose Matter, it would yeah. be really fascinating. Yeah. Uh, That'd be cool. What do you guys think? Any other thoughts on this question? Nah, I'm good right no, there. Yeah. I've, sp- right. I've spoken my piece. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, Andrew Danner asks, what are your different processes while reading for taking notes and preparing for a book episode? And how much longer might it take to read a King book to prepare for an episode as opposed to just reading for leisure? So I had, I started out originally where I would note every, you know, page note, uh, page number in my phone on my notes, and then also write just like a little like thing about it or whatever. And I stopped that. And now what I do is I underline things and I put like PC up on the top for pound cake or, you know, C for cemetery or S for cemetery and then, you know, H and V and then put the name for the, the, the hero or the villain in there. Um, and then I collate it all at the end um, for brevity uh, because early on in this podcast, these these note takings would just slow me down. Yeah. Um, like I think, I, I think the stand legit took me like th- almost like two months to finish reading yeah. just because I would sit there and like note for note for note for note. And half the time we'd be talking so fast about stuff that I wouldn't even use like, you know, at the end of it, 50% of the stuff wouldn't even be used. So yeah. for me, I stopped doing that, but even so, um, you know, there is a difference between reading it leisurely and reading it now. Like I, like I'm reading Ger- Gerald's game. I'm not on the episode. Um, and I'm going through the book like so fast cause I'm not sitting there just thinking like, all right, how would I want to articulate this as an argument or like, you know, the, Ooh, this would be good for a hook or, a, you know, history and stuff. And it's so much easier for me to go through it as opposed to like, you know, before where I'm like just weighing down and I really kind of try to live in the world a little bit more when I'm trying to like do the notes too, because I'm like, Oh, let me reread this passage. You know, let me try to get, yeah. you know, what he's trying to think here. And so for me, it's like the note taking does slow me down big time. Yeah. Um, but what about, How about you, you, Dan? Um, I, I'm not trying to brag. I've, I've never taken notes um, on any of the books. Uh, and I think it's because I've, I've read them in the past. So like I, I, um, I just say my style, except when it comes to, I think, Pound Cake, King's Dominion. No, no, sorry, not King's Dominion. Pound Cake, um, War Processor, The Gods. Am I missing any of like, the text based ones? No, yeah. even Cemetery. Yeah, I just, I just can't remember what the... The sequences are those ones are right on pages just because of the, you know and especially with pound cake when you're trying to get to specific lines but i, I weirdly find that um and i think brains just work differently i find that if i take meticulous notes i somehow remember less you know what i mean like yeah. i feel like i have to kind of absorb it um 
like all entirely like I just have to absorb it like holistically I guess rather than uh, line by line. But what about you? Well, it should be noted that that Dan is an early uh, Cyberdyne uh, 101 model who <laughs> is able to just take photos in his fucking head and remember everything. <laughs> Um, Dan is, Dan is, you know, another robot too. uh, Johnny five, um, where's a classic scene where Johnny five walks into a bookstore and reads every book. And it's not hyperbole to say that Dan could probably accomplish that feat in less than two years. Um, because he reads books and eats them and then remembers them with such clarity that it's startling oh. sometimes. Like, what? Hey, what, what can I know. say? I like to read. <laughs> no, but like, even like little things, like I remember there was like a book that I think there was one of the book episodes that you just kind of came on for like as a Hail Mary guest uh, because we just needed someone really fast. And you remembered little details of the book and you said you haven't even read it in like 10 years. And I'm just like, fucking crap. How do you do that? Like I, there's like little minor, minor details. It's not like, oh yeah, you know, the kid stuck a gun up someone's ass. Like, um, <laughs> Like, you remember that. Although that does, that but, does happen. Yeah. yeah, it does happen. That is something but, you remember, too. Um, no, I think for me, I, I think I spent a lot more time taking meticulous notes in the early going, but then I think it just consumed me a little bit too much. Yeah. Uh, so I think now I – and I also try to keep in mind that um, that we only have so much time, and I'm not trying to write down every yeah. single thing. Yeah. I try to really think about like what is really striking me and – and and then I write down – yeah, I usually keep notes on my phone, and I'll write down page numbers. If I'm reading it on my Kindle uh, on my phone, then I'll, like, cut and paste, yeah. and I'll put it there. But I usually am reading the hard copies, and I will make page number and make a note in the book that I'm reading, be like, revisit this, you know? Yeah. And yeah. But then I'll also pull a lot of – I think a lot about – because there's moments that are, like, cemetery, uh, uh, pound cake word processor those are ones where i'm taking specific passages but then when i think about the hook or i think about character a lot of times like i'll find a passage about like say leland gaunt or wilma jerzyk in in needful things and then i'll be like well that this is not any of the other categories but this is a good way to, to weave i think in. this is a beautiful way of summarizing this character yeah and so i'll pull those moments yeah you i, I feel like yeah. you've done lately a lot more of like history in hook too yeah yeah and um, i that's just something like a few days before we're gonna record yeah. i sit down and i just try to you know use my internet skills yeah. Yeah. to dig as deep as i can i have certain keywords that i like to search for i try to um uh find I don't know. I try to find like what when I read like broader Stephen King profiles, I look at what they're linking out to. Yeah. and I try to find like the deep cut interviews and oh, things totally. of that nature. So because yeah. usually you can find like some good things. I mean, obviously, there's a couple of good King resources we always turn to, but I'm always trying to dig a little bit more. Yeah. So, yeah. So history because history to me is, I think, really fascinating. And Same. especially in the era we're in now, that stuff is getting documented more because he was doing more interviews. Yeah. So, yeah. you know. Once we hit like the 2000s, then it'll probably just be him and Bresnikan. Uh, yeah, exactly. Friend of the pod. Because he, he covered he everything. pretty much just he like, only interviews King now. Yeah, so. and it's, it was like well, from King pre-coverage to post-coverage. I mean, all that stuff. Yeah. So it's going to be very interesting to see the trajectory on that. Which is, uh, what a gig. I know. So let's move on. Um, uh, constant listener Brian Sauer asks, do you think Muschietti's bungling of it, both parts, ooh, that's a bold statement, uh, affected the box office for Dr. Sleep. He took one of King's darkest stories 
and gutted it down to tooth rot camp for the hot topic demographic with silly CGI and jump scares. If it had been thematically more like The Outsider, people would have been more willing to see Dr. Sleep. I think once people saw Stephen King's name of Dr. Sleep, they probably figured it'd be more of the same. This is more of an opinion. Yeah. I think than it is a question. We're just going to scold you for asking that. No, 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 no. no, no, no I will not scold because, hey, I, I yeah. enjoy the first It. I really didn't yeah. like the second. So I get what he's saying to a degree. And the box office for Dr. Sleep was not good. Yeah. Uh, which was a little bit shocking. I think... I feel like Dr. Sleep failed if only because they've taught, you know, there's been a lot of great debate about like how much of SEO, um, you know, standard the optimization of like titles and stuff factors into even marketing now. And I think a lot of that is with the, you know, to the wrongdoing of Dr. Sleep, because I don't think people understood what the fuck it was. Yeah. You know, like even when you look at the poster, you know, they it says like the next you know chapter in the Shining story or whatever, which is ridiculous. And all the posters were modeled after Shining, and and they they looked a little very similar to the Shining, but I don't. But it were also very like um, inside baseball at times. Like if you knew the, if you knew the Shining, like the 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 iconography of it, yeah, you know, then you're gonna go for it. But like, it's not like the Shine. Like the Shining is a very ubiquitous movie, but I don't think it's one that was ever really demanding any sort of like quote unquote franchising. I don't yeah. think that it's one that has the sort of like fandom that's gonna line up around the corner that say yeah, but the you Shining know, does. I, the shine, this is I don't where, know though. This like, is where it's tough because my I joke is like is like should they have called it the Shining Two? Well, that, that's what a lot of people are debating. Doctor yeah. Sleep uh, or the Shining colon, colon, a Shining Story. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? It's like that's the where it's. Story. <laughs> well, it's, Birds of Prey is a great example though. Yeah. with the trains. <laughs> but but like, no, you're right about Birds of but, Prey, and that's the thing. It's like it's like well, you had this like ex- increasingly long title um, as the production went on. And then at the end, it was like, well, they probably should just, you know, put the Harley Quinn in there. And, well, this is what know. happens when you build, when you make the only movies that succeed in Hollywood are IP based. I know. You know? I know. It's like everything needs to be called the thing that it is. It, Otherwise, people do not know what to do. But it also came out at a really weird time. Like, you know, this this October was pretty dead for horror movies. Yeah, that's and what I was sh- going to say. You yeah. should have just released it in the first week of October. That no, Well, they released it in the first week of November. That, well, they did the Halloween screening, that one screening that we went to. Yeah, but that's one screening in I know. big cities like they re- they should have released it like mid-october, mid-October. Yeah. yeah instead of well, in uh, november 9th or whatever and also too like i don't think and i and i i mean to, to politely disagree with the you know our constant listener like, I, I actually did like i loved it part one i actually liked it part two a lot better than than others um but i think too yeah i, th- I think they're they're we're in like kind of king renaissance but we're also going, going into that king overload period too i think and i just wonder if Okay, if there's going to be like a big holiday Stephen King movie, you just got to be selective about what it is. And and, and I I think I thought Doctor Sleep did a really good job with the source material. And even though I don't love that book, I respect that it it like went for it. You know what I mean? Like I respect that they didn't try and change too much of it. But at the end of the day, that's still going to be a hard sell. And it wasn't it was almost like three hours long too, right? Yeah, from, yeah. From, and a- I, I think at the end of the day, I love that Flan. And again, stuck to his vision and did not compromise. I really respect that, but I think that's just going to be a gamble in what's being positioned as like a big holiday tentpole movie, you know? Right, which is weird. Yeah. So that and and also like the thing is is you know he compares it to The Outsider, but 
as we're going forward more into the outsider there's a lot of parts of the outsider that i feel totally are in sync with that first it movie and especially a lot of parts of the it movie where it's like when it is serious and it is just with the kids and it's all about the core drama on on that same note i think there are a lot of things that the loony parts of it that we are kind of seeing in the outsider and we are starting to get more into the monster stuff where i'm like i mean even the last episode I was just like, this is getting fucking ridiculous. Like, I like the and, last episode. And, and I, I mean, I still liked parts of it. Like, I, I mean, I still like the show. But when you look back at like that core, sort of core tension in the the first four or five, you know, episodes, and you have everyone that are standing there on the porch, and stuff, and I'm just like, there's a different show here now, and it's like, I, and I think they've earned it and all. But there's a lot of like weird things that like that have happened in the Outsider that do remind. Like I've literally said, it reminds me of it chapter two sometimes. Like, yeah. Well, the. You know, that episode with the, with the mother and Jack's mom. Yeah. Yeah. That was very um, in a chapter two. So Dan, I, have you watched the outsider yet? No. And I, I actually haven't read the book yet either. Some do, is it a thing where I should read the book before, before uh, I see it? No, I'd say watch the show. I mean, the book's really, good, yeah. but I'm, I honestly enjoy the series more than the book. Really? Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. It just divert, does it divert from a lot? I kind of like avoid even reading about well, it. Well, the first good. half is very, very. The first half of the book is kind of covered in like the first like three episodes of The Outsider. Oh, nice. Yeah. And then uh, they're diverting a bit in the latter half, but in ways that I think are interesting. But the first half of the book yeah. is very, very loyal to uh, what's in the series. So. Nope. Or vice versa. Yeah, S- Sammy was telling me that the stuff that they've already cut out in the like last act is just so much better. I like, agree. Yeah, yeah. It's smart just, move. Uh, Let's move on. Yeah, John Paul Rivera asks, which Stephen King character do you think would make the worst roommate, and why? <laughs> I think it would really suck to live with the murderous vehicles from trucks. <laughs> <laughs> But I wouldn't mind. I, but I wouldn't mind living with pre-rabies Cujo. I agree with all of them. Oh yeah, pre-rabies Cujo would be great. But imagine I, I, living I, I, with trucks. <laughs> I thought. I thought. Yeah, either either the protagonist from Rage or Road Work. I was oh, like, oh, that guy. Or, or living with both of them in like a full house situation. Like, Jesus <laughs> Christ, like, most annoying fucking roommates ever. Like you hear the one. You hear the old guy having having sex with a young woman in the other room and making champagne popping noises. Like they describe. <laughs> And then you're worried about Charlie. Char, what's the guy? Charlie. Charlie. Yeah. Charlie. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just like, yeah. Let's get it on. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, because I think those are the most annoying books. Oh, how you doing, Charlie? Oh, same old, same old. Uh, cleaning your gun. <laughs> yeah. Cleaning um, your gun. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, those, I, that's I don't why I highlight those because I, I don't think there's yet. a better answer than no. those two. Yeah. I think that's pretty brilliant. I agree. Although, uh, I would not want to live with the murderous vehicles from trucks. No. <laughs> I love the idea of like them just living in a house and having a bedroom. Yeah, no, when you have to like the, we, the, the exhaust. Because we, like, uh, we could just say like, oh yeah, Pennywise, he'd fucking kill me or something. But, but I think my mind went just to really annoying ass like <laughs> yeah. Geckers, yeah. Um, TJ Miller, not that oh. one. Uh, oh, this Maddox. is constant listener TJ Miller. He asks, where are all the good King documentaries? I remember when they, when they put yeah. out uh, some years ago on Halloween. It was really good. But then after that, they just up and vanished. And I think he's referring to the Pet Cemetery doc uh, that we watched. Yeah, yeah. And well, there's another one, right? There's another one. There's the It documentary. There's the It documentary that came out, which is also, uh, you know, it's pretty good. Um, well, I haven't seen that one. The, about the miniseries or just it? Yeah, it's about the it's about the miniseries. It that one came out. I want to say last year or the year yeah. beforehand. That was and know, then Pet Cemetery solid. was like three years ago. Pet Cemetery was a, f- a few years ago. The thing that I think that should be done is they should take Dance Macabre the book and ad- like Shutter should turn that into a series with like King 
involved. Oh, and, that'd be cool. And have him talking to different hosts about different parts of horror. Like, yeah. I, the, the fact that that hasn't happened yet, and maybe it's just because he's older and he wants to just write and not do shows. Um, that's probably actually one of the reasons. Um, I think that's just a great property to kind of mine. I mean, I haven't actually even read the book, but I've only poured through it. But um, I feel like that's pretty ripe for having like a docuseries. Totally. Right? Yeah. I think that'd be amazing. You know, I mean, that's kind of like what Eli Roth did with the history of horror. Yeah. I think. I mean, um, you know, there's eventually going to be like a really good Stephen King doc. Yeah. And I'm sure like a million people have been trying to make it. Sure, Alex Gibney's waiting. <laughs> but, it, but it's just like, I just don't think that King is like into that right now. No. It's just in the same way that nobody's written like a biography of him yet. You mm-hmm. know, like that stuff's probably going to happen. But I think that he's not really ready to do that. Yeah. Yet. That's the vibe I get. So. I hope that uh, Tabby writes the biography of King. <laughs> I don't know if I want no, that. I don't know if I want that. <laughs> uh, but, uh, okay, moving on. John Dustin Patterson asks, having read so many King books in a row, what's the single King writing quirk that bugs you the most? If I'm being honest, I swear to God, and this isn't just me being like white knight, yeah. but it's like the way he, the way that he just cannot write a female character without talking about her boobs. I was, that was and the first thing I was going to think nubbins. Yeah. Her nubbins. It's, like, it's, it's, it doesn't matter how old she yeah. is, how young she is. He has to talk about every female character's boobs. No, it's 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 really intoxicating now at this point. Like it, it starts off with us, you know, with us being funny about it with the pound cake and all. But at the same time, now at the like now we're that three years into this and it's still happening. Every yeah. book. It's like wow, this really is like a thing. Well, that and the way he writes overweight people too. Like yeah. it just he it's so grotesque. It's yeah. so grotesque. Yeah, this being monstrous. Yeah, yeah. I, I always it's funny because I think I've praised this element of his writing sometimes, and, and I suppose it doesn't rule out the bad parts of it. Um, the word that comes to mind is the folksiness, which yeah. I feel like it's the same thing that really enables him to write really convincing blue collar characters. Yeah, it's also the part of him that the the phrase I always remember that Mel brought up during Firestarter is. Um, an apple sli- uh, an apple pie without a slice of cheese is like a smooch without a squeeze. Like stuff <laughs> like 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 the cutie, the, I guess the cutie cu- folks folksiness, like the old sayings that are kind of like like you know like all shucks like pinch a kid's cheek sort of thing. I feel like he does that a lot, and that 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 bugs me. Yeah, that's yeah. why I didn't like Hodges in the Mercedes trilogy. Oh God, because... Hodges is like the king of that. And yeah. Like, even, even though he writes about like salads and stuff, like we're talking about. <laughs> It's such a specific thing. I don't know if I'm articulating it. Yeah, you guys know what I'm talking about. I yeah, I know what you're talking about. The thing that also is weird is just his fascination with bowel movements, particularly shit. Like that's that 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 that, that's like the oddest thing. Yeah, that that goes back. That goes way back though. James Joyce was obsessed with shit. Yeah, he was. Have you ever read those letters that James Joyce wrote his wife about? Yeah. It's like, when it smell like farts and stuff. Yeah, it's yeah. like scat porn. It's yeah, very weird yeah. though. Like I, I mean, we wouldn't have a pound cake section without our <laughs> without these these two things, which it's is honestly true. like one of the most iconic parts of this podcast. I feel at this point, but it, it's a cottage it, industry. Yeah, it is really a cottage <laughs> industry. You know, we gotta love that pound cake. Love it. It's delicious. I love the crumbs. Uh, <laughs> let's gross. move on. Especially have to talk about shit. Gross. Stuart Clark asks us. You get King on the podcast and you're allowed to ask him absolutely anything. What would you ask? I'd ask, where do you get your ideas? <laughs> <laughs> totally kidding. First Who question. I do, like, so what's your process, right? Do you, like, like, do you write in the morning or the afternoon? I mean, I would be sure to first off tell him I'm a huge fan a few times. <laughs> <laughs> and I, then say... And then say, actually, I uh, I have a comment and a question, and then make sure it's two questions. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, then, if I could ask him anything, I'd really love to know. This is or honest is like 
after his car accident, what was the process like getting back into writing? Yeah, that's a good one. And like, because I think the first novel he wrote after was was Dreamcatcher. Yeah, yeah. and he, he talks about a little bit in, in on writing, but my more more like just just like the gradualness of it. But I would like, to, yeah, I'd like to hear him go into super gritty detail about that. Right, like I'd love to hear like the more existential like explanation for it. Like I, what, like what, um, like did it did he think that maybe he didn't have any more books in him or like, was he worried about his life? Like, was he worried about mortality? Like all these things. I know he's probably talked about a little bit, but I'd love to hear him just really talk about like sitting down to write those Mm -hmm. first words, you know, like after that whole situation. And and then when you actually get on the topic of dream catcher, you could like be like Larry Miller in waiting for Guffman and be like, um, are you insane? I'm sorry, but what's wrong with you? Yeah. Well, yeah, what's wrong with you? Yeah. yeah. Like, I, like that move that, because just even revisiting the movie, which is, is fairly, um, uh, you know, it's like a pretty honest uh, adaptation of that book. Um, it, it's batshit crazy. Yeah. Like it's, you know, and so, but I do think that would be a great section to talk about, like in w- during the interview yeah. is, of his life, um, is to definitely get into that. But I also think that, like, what I, what I would really like to talk to, and then, this is going to sound like a joke, but I really want to talk to him about his love for corgis. Like, I think, I think, <laughs> I think that's like his his like his affinity for the dogs is like is really big. Like, I mean, some some of his iconic photos have him with you know his previous dogs that he's had. Um, I'm a huge corgi enthusiast myself. I think that. I could take that portion of the interview and uh, and pitch it out to dogs uh, enthusiast, and I would have two stories. There you I go. Have the Stephen King story, and then also the dog story. So there you go. That's how I would do it. Dan, anything coming to mind for you? Yeah, I know this is so specific. I would really want to ask him about the connection between Pennywise and um, uh, who's who's in the Seventh Dark Tower book. Who's, who's like Dandelo? Yeah, yeah. I, which maybe he has commented on, but I, I guess I'd want to know is like, oh, is there? Is, is is the entity from it one of uh, a species of which there are many? Is it supposed to be the same? I mean, he may he maybe has comments on that, but that's something I've always wanted. And, about. That, like, and that would yeah. be cool too, because like we don't really see interviews like that where they get into like the nerdy nitty gritty stuff. No, yeah, totally, yeah exactly. that's what right? I'd love yeah. to hear about. Yeah. yeah, like like if like when we talked about Gaunt and how does he, you know. Is he the little is dwarf he, or is he, is he the dwarf? You know, is how does Randall flag, you know, factor in all this, but definitely the dwarf question. I mean, that's gotta be first, right? That's so, number one. And yeah. we have a question about that later. I believe. Oh, let's uh, keep moving. Dave Musson asks if King wrote, you know, they got a hell of a band today. That's in nightmares and dreamscapes, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or skeleton, skeleton crew. No, nightmares. I, I, I remember the story. I could be I wrong. read it. I, I read it, it recently. So. so I feel like maybe it's in skeleton. Oh, okay. after you read nightmares. Let me, I'll, I'll check. Hold on. But keep, it's a book going. where a guy goes to like, uh, like a, what a demon world, a hell world. And like the, there's like Elvis is there. And like, there's like a, a band of all these. Oh, okay. So it's basically asking there. like, which ones. Yeah. Would you uh, you're right. You're right. Randall. It's a uh, nightmare and dreams. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so he, uh, Dave asked, how would you go about updating the cast list? So like, oh. who would be the dead rock stars who are inhabiting this? Well, world? we oh, talked about no. one of them earlier. Chester Bennington would be, uh, you think you Chester know, would be there? I don't think it would be a classic rock star, but you know, it just uh, seems like a tie I there. Mean, dude, if you think about like, honestly though, like, if you think about the popularity of Linkin Park, like, I know. that band was just as sense. popular as, like, a lot of these bands from the 60s, you yeah. know? I think uh, Chris Cornell would have to be in there. Yeah. Think, uh, well, Kurt Cobain, Cobain obviously. obviously yeah. Cobain. I, I would actually like to – I mean, it's tough because I don't know – it's not a thing where, like, they can only play different instruments. But um, just because I think it's very, very much a generational thing. I mean, there's been so many rappers who have died of, yeah, of uh, right. like, coding 
and or sipping syrup and everything. I feel like, uh, yeah, like a, a little peep or a juice world or a Mac Miller or, or any, and one, one, not, not all of them, but I feel like having at least one. Of them I literally was going to say little peep Dan. would love yeah, to see I, uh, King tackle little peep. Uh, I love it. Hey, I know it's weird, man. Is that at South by last year uh, where pet cemetery premiered, I had to review that and little peep. So I actually kind of weirdly associate like, like little peep with seeing King. <laughs> I, I, I think little peep, I mean, I'm, I mean, all of them are, endearing in their own ways and it's very sad because they're all so young but I, I do feel like little peep feels the most like a king character is it weird to say that like just with his vulnerability and like his i don't know i feel like i feel like people really gravitate toward little peep because of 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 he seemed like just a sweet person you know yeah. but also had and so i don't know yeah not to not to like overly fetishize someone who died recently but yeah i feel like little, I, I would put a little peep in there who, I who else watch, for, for i want to watch guys? that documentary yeah it's really good I think it's nice to be over something. No, uh, I feel like you got to get some hip hop in well, there. Well, and you got to get like Amy Winehouse would be there. Oh yeah, Amy Winehouse. I mean, that, that's one. my thing too because I know we laughed about about um, Chester Bennington, but I do think the people in King in that short story they're so famous, right? Like, and Lil yeah. Peep is very famous, but not. I don't think he's ubiquitously famous. No, like, he's no. not famous like, like, like Chester Hollywood. was. Yeah. So I mean, maybe it should be people like you know Amy Winehouse, uh, Kurt Cobain, yeah. um, uh, Chester Bennington, things like that. Yeah. Was Jim Morrison in? In uh, in the story, I feel like he had I to think be, he was. Yeah. so much. He's in the stand. Let me here. Let me see. I'm pulling up the Wikipedia entry. Yeah, because right isn't it implied in the stand that he is in, that he's in it? Yeah, At it's uh, well, he's got a lot of. Oh, he's got a lot of people. It says Janis Joplin, Ricky Nelson, Roy Orbison, Buddy Holly, Ronnie Van Zant, Dwayne Allman, Otis Redding, Elvis Presley, Frankie Lyman, Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, Jim Jim Morrison, Alan Free. But but they're not all playing. They're not all playing. In the band, of them are like uh, just walking around. Steve Ray Vaughan, Jim, Jim Croce, Patsy Cline, Mary Wells, Florence Ballard, Freddie Mercury, Alan Freed, John Lennon, Marvin Gaye, Keith Moon, Cass Elliott, John Bond, Brian wow. Jones, and Bopper. So he, he literally included like every famous rocker who had died up, up to that point. Well, it's, it's, I, I want to say, and maybe I'm just getting delusional here, but I, I want to, isn't there a part of the stand where there is like some sort of rocker that like, pick someone up or oh yeah it's supposed to be jim morrison right that's not during the apocalypse though beforehand uh it's uh uh, Stu talks about it right he comes in for gas or something yeah that's what it was okay okay yeah all right that's what i remember then he totally died from the plague yeah absolutely died of the plague that's my guess um god let's move on uh tim vargalus chow constant listener uh asks Similar to Dracula or Frankenstein's monster, do you think any of King's creations will long outlive their creator and be seen as a legendary monster hundreds of years from now? Someone commented on this on the thread, uh, you know, one another constant listener, and it was just like Cujo, and I was like, yeah, easily. Cujo, Killer, Killer Dog I, Pennywise, is always King. Pennywise, man. I don't yeah. know. I think Pennywise, especially with how successful the It movies were, I, yeah. I think is iconic well like popularize the killer clown idea you know yeah i think like i think the way to look at it is is cujo has just become uh like a phrase for a mean killer dog like personifications yeah like i see it in movies all the time like people will just say oh get cujo on a leash you know and then uh pennywise too it's like i mean i think a lot of times people would I think, like, casually, people might just say it more yeah. than they would say Pennywise. But I think whenever anybody thinks about a killer clown, they're thinking about Pennywise. And by proxy, killer car with Christine. Yeah, yeah. Know? I'd say Christine. Yeah, honestly, I think that's true. I yeah. mean, we're, we're, I feel like Jack Nicholson's performance as, as you know, Jack Torrance is iconic. But 
but probably I don't think not in the way not in the same way this listener is talking about where it's like an archetype almost you know what I yeah, mean so yeah, exactly. yeah but yeah yeah killer car killer clown I'm seeing it and I know it's what he gets made fun of a lot for but I think any of Stephen King's like killer this killer that has the potential killer to, cell phone well yeah. uh, <laughs> misery killer fan killer fan I mean toxic fan like what is is that like one of the first ones in the hit the the you know wide consensus in pop culture wait what are you talking about like killer fan with Ms. Annie Wilkes oh like, yeah. I mean I think she's I think she's archetypal in her own way. I think when people think about crazy fans, like she definitely comes yeah. to mind. I mean, would, would we have the movie Swim Fan without her? Who's to say? <laughs> Love Jesse Bradford. But I think the big ones are Cujo number one, yeah, Pennywise number two, yeah, and then uh, Christine would probably be number yeah. one. Yeah, so. I would say. Yeah, but I I don't know. But I think Killer Cars. It's a much broader thing. I think like Cujo though is to me that's yeah. like that's. That's already permeated pop culture. Like long after he's dead, people will be calling evil dogs Cujo. Well, here's a question: How about the popularization of like the rock and roll devil? Uh, I don't think that's no. ever going to be <laughs> get, a, get a little niche. I think yeah. the I think the Rolling Stones have yeah that's claim over them. that. Yeah, that's literally them. Yeah, yeah. I think that's got claim yeah. over. Hey, Randall, doesn't Randall Flagg even say in the miniseries like, "Please meet you." Hope you yeah, get my name. Yeah, yeah. It's and when I had so to dress silly. up for him at uh, the music box. I hadn't read the stand in a while, and I just—that's the only line I could remember. So I just kept repeating it. <laughs> and I think one of the per, the per, one of the people that was there uh, was like, uh, "Yeah, you said that to me already before." And I was like, "Okay." Um, Thinking happy, happy Gilmore, like, yeah, that was funny the first. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> this guy spends uh, more time in the sand than uh, David Hasselhoff. Uh, next uh, question: Bobby Brake says, "I know members of the pod aren't big fans of Doctor Sleep, and we got the Doctor Sleep crew right here." Yeah, we do. Uh, oh yeah. But are there any other potential sequels to classic books that you'd be interested in seeing? And I would say, I don't think that we hated Dr. Sleep as no. much as like Justin did. Because Justin yeah. would always trash it yeah. in the early days of the pod. So it got that reputation. I like the Danny arc. Yeah, I think I think there's aspects yeah. of it that we all like. Hey, the, the movie made me appreciate it more. I will say that. I too. agree. Yeah, yeah, we like the movie. Um, I mean, other potential sequels. We've talked about this a little bit I, on the pod before. I think like a Firestarter sequel is something that we've talked about a yeah. lot. The idea yeah. of, of a grown-up charlie like what that would look like is definitely oh, interesting another sequel to salem's lot like, yeah yeah, you know, yeah we talked those, about that yeah that's I, a big one something i've been thinking about recently and i and, and apologies if i've said this on the pod before i know we talked about the salem's lot sequel i keep thinking not of a sequel but something that's and maybe it's because i got coronavirus on the brain i keep thinking about in the stand, it's the entire world's population gets decimated, right? Yep. Not just that. And we don't, we don't, and this actually comes, I think this comes up in a question we have later on in the night. Um, we never find out like what happens in other countries, really. And no. I would love to see just like sort of a, a European or Asian or African version of the stand. Is there a dark man over there? It, or is it, are they just concerned with survival? Like, is it the same spiritual quest? And I know the stand's a very American story by design, but I would like, that's one of the few cases where I would like to know more about what's going on in the world. I usually don't say that about the stories I love. I agree. I, I think one of the more curious factors of that book is that like, it's almost like xenophobic in a weird way because it's like if the most important things that are happening to humankind are only happening to the United States, like yeah. you'd think that yeah, like there would have been a part where like <laughs> foreigners came in. I mean, yeah, I guess at I that the, point it'd be hard. Of, I don't like, know. I love the idea of it being like Denmark or, or some like peaceful Nordic country where they, there's just no dark man. They're just like really successful at rebuilding society. Nothing yeah. bad. <laughs> They're oh, or we'll figure it out. And like that it's all, yeah. Yeah. It's just funny to me because the, the, Mother Abigail and the Dark Man feels so universal in this weird way, but they're really only like in a in a portion of the world. So yeah, yeah that's why I'd want to explore it a little bit more. 
Uh, let's move on. Michael Wright asks, if you could have Cocaine Era King revise any book by Sober King, which would it be? I love okay. this question. Yeah. I think uh, we all have the same. Randall, I, I feel like we maybe have the same answer, but you go first. Randall. Well, no, I think I might be different because I'm the only one who's read this book. I, I would love Cocaine Era, The Institute. Because oh. the institute. Oh, he's asking. Oh wait, um, oh, wait you're, I thought it was I, the, re- the oh, reverse. Oh, I thought it was the reverse. I was re- I was misreading this. Oh, like so, cocaine, cocaine. That's actually yeah, a better question. Like cocaine, cocaine, Eric King. Oh, wow. uh, oh my god. Who I think oh, I think like by the time Tommy Knockers came around, like cocaine, Eric King was a little bit out of control because that's yeah. what you guys were going to say, right? That's yeah. Why, yeah, that, that was going to be my answer. But this this is actually a more interesting question. Yeah, I because think I, think I think there's a lot of good cocaine king, right? Yeah, like we I, talk I about too. that. Like I think there's Honestly, more. Yeah, I would take because I think it's one of his most boring books, and I think it doesn't deliver on its promise. I would have Cocaine King revise the Colorado Kid because I think that is such a such a non-story that, that book i would just like i just it just needs more crazy shit in it so that that's my answer the colorado kid i would say it's funny because like cell already feels like cocaine king because it's fucking out there oh. but i actually think the cocaine probably would have centered him a little bit more <laughs> uh because that book is fucking ridiculous it's like still the, one i haven't read it's it's parts of it where you're just yes. like man you are just bridging into weird ideas that don't really have any sort of weight to it and I actually think the cocaine might have made him find that way. Yeah. Uh, that would be interesting because, look, if you're going to go all out like that, go all out. And yeah. the cocaine would bring that. So, yeah, that would be mine. That uh, is true because Cell, cell like, slows down in a weird it does. way. The middle is soggy. Become, yeah, yeah, yeah we, I almost wish it just stayed about zombies and didn't, didn't slow down. So, yeah, sorry. Gonna say right now. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, Institute, like, is a book that I think has tons of promise. And yeah. I overall, like, thought it was pretty good. But – there's a weird like in a weird way it feels it almost feels too politically correct i i don't mean to sound like a neckbeard i think that it's more so i like obviously you know uh i'm not the kind of anti-pc railing guy but it's like there is something about it that is a little bit precious uh like king used to be able to write stories about kids with who are special Mm. in a really mean way like like he wrote it obviously which is a nasty piece of work uh the institute almost feels too sanitized and there's this weird like uh wistfulness about 2016 hillary clinton in it that's mm. a little bit embarrassing yeah and especially he, he does that days. yeah he he does that in his later books i feel like he'll he'll like he'll really stump for gay rights which is great in, in a sense but also like he, he goes like overkill on it and you're just yeah. like all right dude you're sort of like you're sort of writing about the, about gay people in a way that's like not quite human you know he does that know. The ele- he does that in elevation yeah he um, does yeah and it's I only like 100 pages or something like that yeah and it's like it's uh, just like it's it's it distracts from the story a little bit yeah. and so i guess for me um i think institute is it almost feels like young adult fiction too performative which well well or, performative is separate i think that there is an aspect of just kind of like if he shed it off like that sort of whisk, yeah that sort of like uh um I don't know what's the word I'm looking for. Like this, this whole kind of like unifying idea of humanity, which is bullshit. Yeah, it's like, uh, like this, this sort of ideological sort of purity. It's mm-hmm. really bizarre to me. Well, it's and like so, nobody. You can't like just allow the people to have flaws. Yeah, and it's like exactly. And you so know. I just it's I, like on the uh, I got it right here. Oh, I was just gonna say like I I feel like. In that way, there's this like softness to it. There's yeah. no sharp edges. I want more sharp edges because yeah. that's what I yeah. always love about King. Is like I love like feeling like if I touch it, I'm gonna prick myself. Yeah, and bleed no, everywhere. Totally. Yeah, and when like the, yeah, you go down. When I think of the uh, well, when 
the Oscars a few weeks ago, we were watching it, and uh, I don't remember what award it was for. But Sigourney Weaver and I think Brie Larson. Uh, I, I can't remember. It was it was like oh, it was uh, for a uh, composition or uh, it was yeah. for composer. So yeah. yeah, and Sigourney Weaver. And I was watching it with my wife Susan, and Sigourney Weaver is like, you know, every woman is a superhero. And Susan got mad. She's like, no, that's not true. There are horrible women out there, too. You <laughs> yeah. know? Like, she was like, we can't operate like everyone's an amazing person. And yeah. Just, you know, and, and I get, of course, I get the sentiment. And I, I think it's important to have strong female characters and all that. But it was just this thing. Susan's like, no, I actually think it's a really bad message. Like, oh, just by virtue of being a woman, you're a superhero. Kind no, of it's, thing. it's, it's like blanket that. statements that are most dangerous things ever. And yeah. we, we were actually, Randall and I were talking about that before. Um, <laughs> but it, that, that is a very dangerous um uh, precedent to set when you know you just make these these blanket statements because it's honestly what's got us here in the first place is been by you know labeling you know people well not letting things, and not letting anyone things. have levels right yeah exactly like not letting it have, like like having holding many things at the same time but yeah anyway hey hey I'll step off my soapbox <laughs> uh, let's move on this is actually related to what we were discussing a little bit earlier but maybe we can re- elaborate just a little bit Victoria Rose asks what happened to the dark man in Europe in the stand. And so you, you guys literally were just chatting. About yeah, this. we were. Yeah. So we yeah, don't know. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't think he. I don't think he exists in both continents or anything. And that's what I'm wondering. I mean, it would be funny. Like, <laughs> there's just like a very European version of Randall Flag, like Rand, like Randolph, <laughs> Randolph uh, Flagelli, or something. <laughs> yeah, Flagelli. <laughs> like, like something, something like just like like vaguely European version of Randall Flag, like, like a like a beret and like I don't know. I, I like to imagine that it's kind of lot. It's a little bit like um, the the Marvel movie uh, sort of formula, where you have like the core battle that's happening, you know, at in where in uh, Vegas. And then everywhere else, everyone's having the same dreams and they're all trying to get over to Vegas and Boulder, but there's no planes anymore and their boats are not there. Does anybody know how to operate this ship? Like, you know, and, like, they, and then they're like, we do. And it turns out those are the, you know, the, the, the flag followers. And then you have Abigail followers that are over there. So there's just like all these little mini wars happening everywhere. And then at the end, they, they, they have a telegraph. It's like, we know how to bring them down. We know how to bring down the ships and stuff like that. And then, you know, um, <laughs> Will Smith they, and they, Jeff Goldblum fly up into the crossover. <laughs> they, they, they do that in like, uh, not in the movie so much, but in the, the Lord of the Rings books, they talk about, um, they talk about how there's all these little battles being waged yeah. in, throughout Middle Earth that are like, like pockets of orcs, but yeah, so maybe, yeah, I could see that happening. Maybe, but hey, maybe, maybe you could do an expanded yeah. version of this. The, the the stand. He's never done that before, right? <laughs> I actually think the expanded version is worse than. Yeah, the, it is. Yeah, honestly, like that's that's kind of the opinion I took on when I get older. When I got a little bit older, yeah. uh, I love this next question. Jordan Thomas asks, "I was mainly interested to hear your thoughts on whether or not the imp coach driver <laughs> is in fact Leland Gunt. And if you've listened to our episodes, our Needful Things episodes, which you really should." Uh, the answer is definitively yes. The imp coach driver is Leland Gaunt. Mike, your thoughts? I I, I still like the idea that this uh, little sidekick is hanging out somewhere <laughs> in Castle Rock, <laughs> waiting for Leland to finish his business. You know, maybe uh, you know you get uh, some characters. Um, you know, Bannerman's son uh, comes Bannerman's over son. and and is like, it's like, oh, you hear? You're a strange fellow. You hear fishing? It's like, nope, just waiting for my friend uh, up uh, up the, no. the block. He has a new store. Have you gone to it? Um, <laughs> No way, because I wasn't on the I was on the Evil Things episode when you all decided that that was definitely the case, which I've always thought. That oh, was we too. we didn't all decide. We it. didn't all decide. I decided I, that I think it's everybody else fought me on it. Yeah, I I, 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 I got that it was. Supposed- 
put that was his true form. But my question is like, oh, is it thing like in Men in Black where it's like a little creature living exactly. behind his face or something, or that, was it like, yeah, well, was, was, or, yeah, was it many imps stack, stack like little children under Leland Gaunt's coat? <laughs> no, something? I think I think it was the it was the the little guy from Beetlejuice who yeah. mar- who is supposed to marry Beetlejuice and Winona Ryder. That's who it actually is. There has to be a fucking character name for this. But, no, but that's, too, no, I don't want to look it up is. though. Yeah. He's, think, he's Leland Gott. That's Dude, his name that's in Leland, Beetlejuice. Leland Gott in Beetlejuice. There is some, uh, there's like some gross fan fiction or, or fan drawings of like Leland Gaunt doing dirty things with his imp self. Of course, uh, of course. <laughs> yeah. If you can imagine it, the porn is out there. Well, let's just hope that our constant listeners send it to us on one no. of our socials. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, okay. or Twitter. On Twitter, on Twitter uh, at the sick ghost one. Hope you feel better. Uh, asks. <laughs> Stephen likes to write short stories that accompany his larger works, e.g. Uh, Jerusalem Slot, One for the Road, Night Surf with the Stand. What novels would you like to see have this short story treatment, and what would the stories be about? I would would love um, to get a short story about one of the townspeople in Ludlow um, shortly after Pet Cemetery. Ooh, that's an interesting idea. Ooh, that would be good. Yeah. I Similarly, I wouldn't mind a... I wouldn't mind just just like a short story. Like I don't know. I know what they talked about. I don't think this is happening anymore. But I know for Pet Cemetery, the film they talked about. Oh, doing like a feature length film that was a prequel of like Timmy Bannerman or, or, or whatever that. Um, yeah. You, you know. You know. What I'm talking? Yeah. That's. I don't know the... if we need a, a full, like as cool as that sounds. I don't know if we need a full novel or movie. But I wouldn't mind seeing also a tale, but from like a long time ago. Like like whether it's the bull or yeah. or an expanded version of that. Yeah. Just because I that that world is super. Especially ancient, like old times for the, 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 the cemetery takes on such a more sinister like tone oh, in the ancient times. Cause like no one would really be able to discern what the hell's going on medically. Yeah. You know, like especially if the science isn't there yet. And like this guy comes back into town, I'm sure most people would just think that they buried him. Yeah. Um, and he came back. Um, it's, I don't know the, the, the I, Ludlow really scares me. Like when I think about it and like the fact that it's just still there, there's just so much untapped potential and you could visit Ellie, but I think a short story actually would do justice for this. You know what yeah. I want? What? Henry Bowers. Oh uh, yeah. Coming back from uh, the sewers after the events of the first half of it. You love, the, you love the bullies. You, you love my bullies. Bullies. For the bullies. Yeah. And <laughs> I would love, I would love that, that journey of him like coming back from the sewer, yeah, uh, getting arrested. Like what is going through his head? What are the next years like before Pennywise contacts him? Like, what is it like in the mental institution? I love that kind of stuff. So yeah. that's, that's, cool. that's, like that's my shit. Uh, let's move on. Whoop, I lost it. Here we go. Um, on Instagram, Tennish pod constant listeners. We appreciate you. They ask, do you think King will ever write another sequel to one of his classics? Lucky by Dr. Sleep. I don't think so. You don't I, think so? No. I don't know. I, I think that he's always teased Firestarter um, in, in way. I mean, just because he knows the fans want it. Yeah. Uh, I think that's I wouldn't be surprised if like in five years, like when the Institute came out, I was convinced that this was going to be tied to yeah. Firestarter. And I'm still surprised that he didn't. I'm not saying that that's an indicator that he's not going to do it. But I just think nowadays in an age where IP is so king and everyone's going back and doing legacy sequels, I, I feel like there's there's got to be an itch with him that we haven't even heard about yet. Like I I would be surprised if right now he's already writing a sequel to something. And I just think he's really into Holly Gibney right now, and he is, and he's and like that's where he's getting his sort of like ongoing itch from. Is uh, like is mm-hmm. he's just he's telling new Holly Gibney stories, you know? Yeah. And that relates to another question. Wait, Dan, did you have an answer to that? 
I, I, I mean, my short answer is that yeah, I think he would. I just, I feel like he's just. I feel like he's got one more in him like yeah. that, like one more sequel. Um, I could also see him doing a third in the Talisman series or something like that. I feel like he's maybe said something like that before. Yeah, maybe like not. I don't know. Him yeah. and, him and Straub could, could uh, yeah. hook up again. That would and be and obviously, like, there's always room for more Dark Tower stories, but I almost yeah. don't count those because they've been so ongoing, you know, for the, the for most of his career. But yeah, uh, I guess that is a side question. Yeah. Like, do we think that he's going to revisit the Dark Tower again? Like, I mean, I think maybe one more time, but I, I think it'll be in a win through the keyhole kind of way. Yeah, you know, yeah. like there's not going to be an eighth book. Yeah. I think like the final, the story, the end is the end. But he might revisit something in the. World I don't. I, I don't even know. Yeah, I don't even know where you would. I mean, I, I actually, I don't. It's funny. Dark Tower. I'll just cop to. It's they're not my favorite books. Like no, games. no. But uh, I do love the ending though, and I feel like it does feel so final. So I don't so see how he would, he would continue that afterwards. No, I I hundred percent agree. I think that the the journey is actually really kind of trouble with the ending. Like is actually one of the better endings he has. Um, I think that if he went back to some of those later books like he did with the gunslinger that would be cool yeah um to kind of fix them up like you could literally clean up the last dark tower book easily i think you can actually expand song of Susanna a little bit yeah um and yeah i know there's a lot of stuff there that he could revisit if he wanted to and i guess that could kind of count but not i don't know not really uh horror virgin host oh, Jen Feratu, friend of the pod friend and- of the pod asks uh, this is along the same lines if you could team holly gibney up with any character from king's dominion who would it be and what would they do i would bill say hodges. bill hodges <laughs> <laughs> they'd eat salads together uh, um yeah. i'd say charlie mcgee from firestarter i'd love to see holly who's a little bit quirky team up with somebody who's actually got some powers and guess what girl power King hey. loves girl power. So I think that getting them together and letting them get into some uh, supernatural hijinks, uh, sign me up. Well, hey, I, I just would like to see, you know, you know, Dan Torrance find out that uh, <laughs> he's related to uh, Holly Gibney. All- no, I'm just joking. Um, I, I, I'm trying to think of what how I would pair up. Um, but you don't, don't really even know. have a relationship with Holly Gibney. I in don't the books, because I only have a relationship those. strictly from the outsider TV show. Just the outsider. Yeah. You know, I haven't even watched, is, which Mr. is her Mercedes. best version. Yeah. I, I mean, I it love her. It's funny how, I mean, she, she's not what I, I mean, I'm not the hugest fan of the Hodges trilogy. She's fine. It, it is funny how she's become this like King's new fixations. I, I don't, I don't know. She's like, she's fine, I guess. Like, I, I, I don't know. If, I don't know if you guys. Have talked I feel about like most of the fans aren't really on the same page as King. No, I, I don't know anybody yeah, who yeah. likes Holly as much as King does. No, it's yeah. not really until the outside of the show where I actually started seeing. She's people the start most. Talking about yeah. That's the thing, Dan, watch the outsider <laughs> TV show. And that's the most interesting Holly you're going to get. <laughs> I keep thinking about, uh, I, I was going to say as a joke, but then I thought about something. I think you said it, Randall, uh, cause I, I was going to jokingly say, Oh, Charlie, from rage again you know and then she could just kill him or something but i was thinking about that uh it was you randall right who said who sent the, the the fake child's play, play script was that you oh yeah, yeah. Like that, <laughs> I, always, I always picture him talking like that like like that like i'm fucked up <laughs> and then getting killed by holly gibney with like a sack of ball bearings like or, oh, or, or something i'm fucking uh, crazy i'm yeah. wild that's <laughs> still one of the funniest thing for uh, for any console listeners it's i it's just some Twitter user that that wrote. Oh, it, right? it's just some. It's a one page of a child's play script, and it's just like him That's killing so people and being like, "I'm, I'm fucking extreme." <laughs> yeah. It's just, so funny. I'm surprised that uh, I'm like that surprised that Twitter joke did not take off more. I thought it was one of the funniest goddamn things. I, I know it's funny because so Shutter's been playing Child's Play religiously like every day, just because they have the same schedule. And I was rewatching it for the fourth time this week, and I realized that like 
Chucky might be the dumbest killer because he, <laughs> he's he, a doll. He doesn't well, have a he's, brain. A, he's a doll, but he's also a serial killer. So he's a really bad serial killer because at like 60%, maybe even 70% of this movie, he could get away with everything. Yeah. But he keeps finding more and more ways to show that he's actually a fucking doll, like a killer doll, where like he could have easily like gone through done the, the the transference and been in some random person's body easily he's just a moron yeah like, but he likes being uh, uh unidentified fucked up, unidentif- fucked, up. Yeah, fucked. <laughs> give me tiffany he's Wait, fucked is, isn't he playing with like uh does he kill like a tickle me elmo or something he's like, hey, hello, I'm Jackie, wanna play. <laughs> well the new one yeah mark hamill classic. uh uh, on Instagram, Vash388, constant listener, asks, do you think anyone gets to the end of The Dark Tower and then takes Stephen King's advice and doesn't read the last chapter? I don't think there is a single person in this world who has done that. I, I don't think so either. I, yeah. I will say I, I did think to be precious about it. I was going to put it down and then revisit it in like a month and read the rest. But I remember I tried. I started doing that. I got water and then... I was about to go to bed and I was like, oh, fuck it. Just finish the goddamn yeah. And then, yeah. I can't imagine. I if, say, if you have, let us know. Yeah. We would love to. Know. Yeah, yeah, please do. And don't lie either. Try yeah, to don't yeah. fucking lie. Yeah, we'll know. Yeah. <laughs> I, we'll say check after you. Um, yeah, I, I was I, just going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> I want to. I do want to say, I feel like, I, I'll to ask him, I feel like maybe Justin, at least for a time, did not read the very end. Maybe, but I could be wrong. That though. sounds like Justin. Yeah, I could see yeah, that. I, that. Yeah, I, yeah. But the thing, it's like it was something that there's just so much conviction with that that sentiment that like there was a part of me that was like, ah, maybe I will. Yeah, I don't know. But then you did. He does. I, I did. did. It's yeah. really lovely the way he writes that. Yeah. 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 Okay. I'm last. Glad I- I did. I'm one glad, one glad. last question, and I like this one uh, from Instagram. RCN four two nine seven asks in Dreamcatcher. Was this RCN from Chicago? Do they? Uh, yeah, it's it's our digital. fucking cable company. In Dreamcatcher, <laughs> when there's a statue with Pennywise lives spray painted over it, do you believe that pe- it was Pennywise, or he is completely van- vanquished in the 1980s encounter? I believe he lives. He lives. I, I don't think so. You think that he? You think that he picked up a spray paint can and did exactly. that? Then? No. <laughs> I feel like that. I think it more means like, oh, is his spirit alive? And I feel like in Tommy Knockers we see him, although that could arguably be like the essence of the town, right? Kind of, kind of thing. I, yeah, know, I, I yeah. just get the idea that like Pennywise, you like really can't kill him completely. But that, that's just me. What do you well, guys? Well, I, I always took Pennywise as to be just a physical manifestation of fear, which is just you know it's a metaphor for fear and the idea of that you you could suppress fear and it's always going to come back so yeah he'll come back but like the idea of like the pennywise lives things always just felt like a way to say like we're in dairy yeah you know like it, and and that's one of the rare occasions where i'd say that like you know, we talk about this on the podcast all the time about how, like, whenever Stephen King infers or implies something, it usually means it's true. Yeah. In this case, I legitimately think it's just him, his way, especially since it's in Dreamcatcher and he was, like, delusional at that point. Um, I feel like it is just a way to say, like, this is what happened in Derry for those that didn't really remember. Sure. You know? Yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of in between. Uh, I like the idea that the sort of like even if pennywise the entity is gone yeah that sort of like you said like the essence of it lives on and that there is sort of an inherent rottenness to the town and that like you know when somebody spray paints that it's because like they sort of long for that yeah. they, they long for that evil presence like it's like little bowers everywhere and they're the ones spray painting well everything. you know it's interesting I, I we we mentioned you know one of the questions on there is like well uh, we just talked about sequels if he did do another it and and brought him back 
I think there's something really interesting about revisiting those characters when they're in their 70s. I think I made that joke yeah. when it chapter two was going on. Yeah. And the idea of old of old them fighting it. And I yeah. thought that was really funny. Yeah. But I think you could do something that's a little it's not so much about him them battling Pennywise as much <laughs> as like battling something else that's like you know obviously there's a there's a there's this the idea that pennywise could be back but it's more about like just kind of like finding like uh peace with a lot of your own like terrors that stay with you even after you think you've conquered them. maybe they all have dementia and they yeah they could yeah <laughs> and he plays with them it's like oh are you uh here's a memory you lost uh you know uh god but yeah i i think that like if if there was a sequel to be made from his books i i out of all his classic ones, I really wouldn't be opposed to them revisiting the characters in it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But, Put them in a different context, maybe. Yeah, something. Could be interesting. You know, they go back to teach. No. Just, Dan, final thoughts? I uh, just want to say thanks for having me on the podcast. <laughs> uh, I, can't, I can't resist. I can't resist. <laughs> uh, thanks yeah. so much, listeners. We're going to be back next week with a review of the 1992 film. You may have heard of it. A little movie that directed by Mick Garris, written by Stephen King. It's called Sleepwalkers. I can't wait. We're going to be back with that next week. And then two weeks from now, uh, we'll probably be talking about The Outsider again. They're talking because, about, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll be back again soon because The Outsider is wrapping up. And uh, But stay tuned. We'll have more updates on the schedule to come. Gerald's Game is our next book episode. It's a short one. It's so very short. you've got time to read it, get going on it. And if you haven't seen the movie by Mike Flanagan, it's on Netflix and it's quite good. It's great. Yeah, so like it. uh, thanks, Dan, for joining us. Uh, you're hey, a great I'll- you're it was a great a guest. pleasure, fellas. <laughs> it's been a great, great guest, yeah. Mike, always a pleasure to see you. It's always a pleasure. Uh, and I guess, yeah, long days and, and pleasant, pleasant nights. nights. Bye, y'all. Bye. I got some hot friends. God, I got some hot friends. I got some hot friends. God, I got some hot Consequence Podcast Network.